You're listening to audio from Noest Anglican. If you'd like to find out more about us, visit noest.org. Well, good day. My name's Mark Hadley, and I'm sitting here with James Lewis, and we're good day, good day. ready to talk all about the sermon today yes. and also the series itself, which we've come to an end. I know, I know. Who could believe it when it started? <laughs> in five weeks, it seemed like such a deep topic to get in, yeah. to really understand your identity in five weeks. Yeah, so let's, no, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, there was a lot more we could do, but uh, yeah. yeah. No, I thought I thought it was an epic task, and I think we've done really well. But we'll get on and talk about mm. the series itself at the end. Really, we want to reflect now on the sermon today. Uh, actually, today our time, though I'm sure you're just listening to it sometime during the week. That's yes. convenient for you. We roam, but we never really find a home, was mm. one of your opening statements. Uh, and I really thought about that. I think we live in a world, strangely, where community is apparently the buzzword. It's it's the sort of thing that you know every millennial is apparently looking for. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. yet we're not looking for it. Can yeah. you sort of tease that apart for me? It's this uh, tension we're caught in because our culture's wired us up to seek individual, uh, you know, sovereign individualism, self-actualization. So I'll discover, I'll shape my own story and identity. And yet we're also relational beings. And so we have this leaning towards we want to belong somewhere. Um, and we're kind of in this... Um, this catch-22, if you like, this trap where we want to belong, but we can't do it in a way that without giving up our freedom because we want to maintain our freedom. And so we're, we're kind of caught between the two. And so what we do is we end up dipping into a whole bunch of communities and social media is um, really kind of indicative of that where you can just have you know lots of friends who you don't ever really see and don't really connect with deeply and you can belong to all sorts of groups and kind of drop in and out of them. And if you don't like it, then you just opt out. And so that encourages to have this sense of belonging that's very kind of um, transitory and almost um, mercenary or transactional. So I, I, what I get out of it, if it benefits me, then I'm in. But when I don't need it anymore, I'll move on. Um, mm. And so that's why we, we kind of, we roam everywhere looking for community and connecting into things. And it's one level that feels great because you can kind of really spread yourself widely, mm. um, but you never really find a home. And it's that sort of sense, as, a, as I said in the sermon, that we um, communities become places to visit, mm. not to dwell or belong. Um, yeah, we're all we're almost nostalgic about community. Yeah, you know, like I've often found people who, who talk about community in glowing terms, but they talk about it in terms of the past. Mm. You know, wasn't it great when towns were towns and yeah, everybody knew yeah. everybody in the yeah. same street yeah. or something like that? But I suspect we also left our roots that made those communities possible. Yeah, yeah. I remember, um, I can't remember who said it uh, in a lecture at college, but they were talking about how in you know generations ago. If you imagine that the, the our culture was like a, a town and at the centre of the town was the market square and in the centre of the market square was a cross um, and the centre of our world and a kind of, you know, absolute and reference point was the gospel. Mm. Um, but now in our day and age, it's not just that there's no cross at the centre of the town, that there is no centre of the town. <laughs> mm. Um, mm. And everything's kind of, there's no there's no kind of common reference point um, or absolute or something that we look to. And so that's why people speak nostalgically about a time when we did have something that held us together. Um, we get a little bit of a taste of it, I think, in Australia in natural disasters where people seem to pull together. There's something about a crisis that does. We're acknowledging something bigger than ourselves. Yeah, and so. that we actually need you know, we can't function on our own and there's, mm. you know, that real sense of pulling together in those times. But the rest of the time we kind of just float along kind of doing our own thing. Yeah, yeah well, you do you. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that's the that's the weird thing. I find that great conflict that we 
are reaching for something bigger than ourselves. Mm. When, when we see a natural disaster, as you say, we go, uh, look, man's not an island. We can't live alone. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to suffer and I'm not going to just sit by. And yet at the same time, every other day of the week, it's you do you. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. So paradoxically, we continue to work for community and maybe that's the operative word. We work for it. Uh, there, There's a certain sort of deserving or striving associated with community. If you want to belong, you really got to work to belong. Mm. Um, you've actually, it's up to how much you belong to the local club is how much you put into it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That, so we have this really solid idea that um, belonging is related to doing. Mm. You know, and you are actually unpacking that for us uh, in the sermon today, that um, we can actually belong to a community without having to strive to belong to a community. Can mm. you just break that open? Yeah, and that's um, in Colossians 3, which is this, um, like the theological phrase is union with Christ, that when, when you become a Christian, you're united with Jesus, and so you share in, in his victory and his wins, um, and that ties you into to his body to his community and so that's a that's a gift that's given to you and so it's not whether you feel like you belong you absolutely do belong because of that and it's not something that you've achieved for yourself but it was a gift as all as salvation is um, and Jesus is the one who creates the unity not um, like I, I feel like I really connect in here or I feel this is really working for me that's a kind of very volitional opt-in opt-out understanding of belonging whereas actually what Jesus creates is this objective belonging that you are tied into something and you are community whether you feel it or not mm. um and and so that can that's quite overwhelming to think about and sometimes people in our culture they'll think well that that's restricting me and my freedom but actually it's it's a wonderful gift and brings so much security because as you've highlighted it's not something that you strive towards or you've got to build yourself and so what we see in the new testament and what i think we're trying to do in churches is is to live that out not we're not trying to create a community or a belonging that doesn't yet exist, but we're trying to express and live out who we already are in Christ. And so for us, it's actually digging deeper in and believing what God's saying about his people and what he's given to us and taking hold of that and being who we are and expressing that and growing into that rather than trying to build something that isn't there. Mm. Well, you say that it's an objective fact. Yeah. That you know we belong because Christ says we belong, but every now and again that actually pushes into a subjective world, doesn't it? Mm, mm. Like every now and again you actually walk into a church situation and you think, "I belong." Mm. You know, I, I've had this experience overseas. You know, mm, I go mm. to a church where I can't speak the majority language, um, and yet people are praising God, and I think I belong. So mm. that community can have subjective moments. Oh yeah, it? yeah. So when we say it's subjective, it's not like it's. Um it's just sort of a, a monument somewhere in the distance and just exists there like a rock that never moves and we have no – but it's what that objective reality then at times breaks in to our subjective experience. And so when you go there and you go, wow, I have fellowship with these people where I have never met them before, but that's the expression of the, the unity that's around Jesus that mm. brings his people together. Um, and we, I was talking with a guy on the deck about it and I was saying when – when you, um, you live out what God's calling us to live out, um, that's when you see that little taste of, of, of the breaking in of this belonging into our world and what, mm. what God's making us into and what we're going to be like when Jesus returns. And we get a little taste and a, um, a, you know, a teaser of what that's like, an experience of that. Um, so when you forgive someone because Jesus forgave you, then you, that is a little breaking in of, of Jesus' grace and, and real community 
breaking into your subjective experience. Mm. It's really um, difficult for Anglicans to talk about, you know, valuing a subjective experience. <laughs> you know, because, yeah, you I, know. Didn't, I didn't put my hands in the air while I was doing it. So. That's important. That's important. I, I saw you, you know, maybe an itchiness to put your hands yeah, up. That's but, right. Yeah, that's right. But I, I feel like that's um, an interesting thing because it is a bit of a paradox in our system that we want very much to acknowledge these things objectively so they're free of, of our emotional ups and downs. Mm. Yet at the same time, we do want to pursue this subjective experience. We do want to understand the community of God and mm. feel mm. it. Mm. You know? um, and in fact, one of the the um, real struggles is being able to feel it. Sometimes mm. you feel like you're completely disconnected, but you're mm. not disconnected, are you? No, no, absolutely. You're, you're, it's objective. And that's where we've got to um, recognise that our feelings, our subjective feelings are... What's the old phrase there? The, Good the servants, one, bad the ter- masters. Terrible masters, yeah. yeah. Like, and so it's it's about asking um, God to catch our emotions up to reality. Mm. Um, and, and that's a valid prayer? Yeah, I think so. I think so because what we're asking for God to do is to let us experience what's already true um, and not sort of go, well, because I, I'm not feeling and I'm not experiencing, therefore it isn't true. And that's, that's we're allowing the subjective content to overrule. Mm. Um, and so I think that's that you see in Paul's letters in the New Testament, he starts with, this is what God has done. This is who you are in Jesus. So therefore live like this. Mm. So it's not live like that in order to get into God's kingdom and be saved, but you're already saved. You already belong. So then live it out and be- begin to be more and more the community that I'm building. So we didn't get to touch on it much um, today, but um, in verse nine of Colossians three, Paul says, do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. And so his point there is you don't lie because it doesn't belong to you now. And you actually, um, the non-lying, the truth-telling in love is part of the, the rebuilding that God's doing in you as an individual and as a whole kind of his people. And that's the directional um, re- repairing and renewing that is taking us back to what we, we originally made to be, created to be. Mm. One of the lines I really loved uh, in the sermon today uh, was when you were pointing out that there was no striving necessary for this for this absolute reality that Paul talks about, and you said you could walk into the presence of God now and not be ashamed. Yeah. No. So why is it that we continue to strive and hmm. feel shame? Yeah, and that that's our. I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons because we are complex beings. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul's saying it in. Ephesians 6, that our real struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. And so you look through the history of the Bible, the the devil's kind of game is to feed in doubts and lies to undermine. And so what he loves is when we feel burdened and guilty and we withdraw from community, withdraw from from Jesus, because that's where he wants us to be isolated and separated. Um, And we're also... um, We've got to recognise alongside that and in that is that we, we are a work in progress. It's not that you become a Christian and then your whole character and lifestyle and habits are all kind of remade. God looks at you as ready for heaven, as saved, but we're still a work in progress in terms of that remaking. And so that's like, you know, um, I like the analogy of, um, you, you, you know, want to train for a marathon. You, you, there's a lot of hard work in preparing your body for the load that it's going to take. Um, and in a sense, that's where we were heading towards the finish line um, in our in our kind of journey with Jesus, and there's this hard work of of growing and changing in that, um, and that's what we experience. We f- we feel that the groaning of that work going on in us because we're by nature separated from God, and we're being kind of 
made more like Jesus, which is a which is you know is a testing work for us um, as we kind of our attitudes and desires are transformed. Are you still striving for this, or do have ministers already arrived? <laughs> no, no, we're just like it's like um, you know people say find it hard to believe that ministers struggle with Bible reading and prayer. Yeah, and that was an interesting point that came up yeah. on the taste and see. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the idea right. that that ministers and, and people, ministry people could actually struggle with their Bible yeah, studies. No, that's exactly right. It's and it's just like everyone we we have that 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 struggle, and we all have our particular maybe idiosyncrasies and sin struggles that are unique unique to us sometimes that we we kind of always struggle with we're always working on our own insecurities and so on we all are wrestling with that and what we're trying to do is all of us together is to say well look to god's grace look to who you are in christ and allow that to transform and, and shape you and lean into that more and more um which is why i was saying it in the sermon that we it's not about here's three steps, but actually we, we've got to invite and allow the, the beauty and grace, the peace of Jesus to work on us and transform us because then the fruit will be um, change lives, not we kind of grind our way towards it um, on our own strength all the time. You know, we're, I'm going I'm to get there myself, um, but actually we need God's work in us to change our hearts and, mm. and minds. Well, I'm going to get to your big practical step, you know, <laughs> you know your one thing a little later, but actually mm. I wanted to uh, have a go at what you thought was um, a really controversial statement. Um, there is something better than just forgiveness from God. Yeah. And now, uh, uh, why is that so controversial? Because uh, hang on a second, don't we want to build the entire basis of Christianity around the sacrifice of the cross? Yeah. You know? yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's the act that, that brings about our forgiveness, but you say that there is something better than that. Yeah, and it's a, I was being a little bit cheeky just as a, as a um, you know. <laughs> oh, a well, a, let's just move on then. <laughs> a bit of a teaser and a hook. Because what I was trying to say is that sometimes we just think, oh, so being Christian is just about getting a clean slate and forgiveness and so I'm not in trouble anymore. Mm. Um, but actually what Colossians 3 is showing is there's actually we, there's that, that belonging, that union with Christ. And I love the way Paul puts it in Galatians 4 because he says, um, uh he says, when the, verse 4, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. So that, yes, he came, definitely came to die to redeem us, to pay for our sins, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has also made you an heir. So yes, he absolutely comes to die to rescue us, but the, the kind of end game, the purpose is a family. Mm. Is that we would be sons of God, little sons. We're not like big son Jesus, mm. but um, and so what um, God's Spirit does is um, He gives us His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, so that we experience Him as Father. And when we say "Our Father," we know that's a that's a good and right thing. And the Spirit says, "Yes, that's you're absolutely approaching God in the way He intends. He wants you to know Him as a Father." Mm. Um, and so it's not just you get forgiven, as I said. It's not just get out of the prison onto the pavement but you get from the prison to the palace. Mm. Um, and that's why I'm saying there's something even better than just being forgiven if we think it's just about getting a clean slate. Yeah. Mm. Actually, one of the things I find helpful when I think about that is to remember that the death and resurrection of Jesus is in factly that, two separate events, mm. that there's the death, which uh, achieves our the the wiping away of our slate, so to speak, of our of our sins. But there's the resurrection that we've been live we've been lifted to a new life, mm. you know. Mm. And uh, I feel sometimes that it's like uh, we could be careful with our Christianity that we don't just celebrate Good Friday, mm. you know, um, that we actually remember that Easter Sunday yeah, is yeah. part of it. 
There's yeah. a classic old uh, gospel sermon where you know it's it's, it's Friday, but but Sunday's but it's coming. Sunday's coming. <laughs> Sunday's yeah. coming. Yeah. yeah, I actually heard. Um, I was away recently at another church, and um, I heard a, a particular guy at the front say, you know, that um, Easter Sunday had the first Easter egg. You know, yeah. the, the thing to be discovered. Yeah, you know, yeah and right. it was it's true. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Absolutely. Well, okay. Uh, until we find that new identity in Christ, we won't change. Now I like to quote people back to themselves. <laughs> um, that is a, a big call that the human heart is a really weak thing. Mm. And we, and unless we find uh, that new identity in Christ, we won't change. How do we want to want to change, yeah, you know, a, because like question. I can't change no, myself. Exactly, exactly. So how do I actually get about doing something that changes myself? I, you know, I'm yeah. a bit lost on that. Yeah, and 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 I really wanted to target kind of the Bible Belt Hills kind of church thing where we we come and we say all the right things and look in the right way and everything, but inside we're we're, we're struggling, we're not changing. And I have so many conversations with people who are they're genuinely trying to be good Christians, quote unquote. Um, but they find that they, you know, they get stuck in a rut or they can't they despair because they don't seem to change over time. And I think it's sometimes when we're very practical and concrete about here's how to change, we actually short circuit what the heart change that needs to happen. Um, and that that really is a work of God. Like, so we skip over and go to the yeah, works. We're, we're, we're back in works. Yeah, exactly. And we think, we, but it's kind of cloaked because it's Christian works, if you like. And so we think, well, this is Christian life. But if it's, it's not coming from a renewed heart, then mm. it's just more activity. Um, and we love activity because it feels we're making progress. There's a to-do list. We can tick it off and we feel a little bit in control because I'm doing something. Um, and we're, we're, we're at risk of not waiting upon the Lord mm. and allowing him to do the work in us. And so I think that's really helpful. We, we noticed at a at staff meeting um, on Monday that, that Paul's language of let um, the peace of Christ rule in your heart. There's a real sense of invitation and him allowing to do the work in you rather than just, well, I'm going to start being peaceful, you know, mm. because that's what I'm going to do. That's an expression of it. Um, and, I, and so we actually need that. We need God to do that reshaping of our hearts because we're prone to wonder um, mm. and we, we struggle with it and we need him to do that. So it's that real kind of longing and inviting and calling upon him to come and, and work upon us and change us so that we would bear that that fruit and that life change that, that, that we're longing for. Mm. Now, just in case you're wondering if we started fading up emotional music under James as he was waxing <laughs> lyrical there, um, the church is just starting to uh, practice for the next service, so yep. don't be put off by that. Actually, I wanted to shift on to the single practical thing that you wanted to come out of, and you, you've kind of just touched on it then, that we are going to take five minutes a day to meditate and pray about Jesus' loving sacrifice for us. Mm. How do you do that? Like, what does that look like for you? It's 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 all sorts of varied things, uh, and I think that's that's the whole thing with this is is finding different ways. Um, so I I remember the first time in Ephesians two I saw the but <laughs> properly. You know, he says you are dead in your transgressions and sin, but but God who is rich in mercy made you alive. So it's not it's not um, well. Of course you were sinful, so of course God rescued. No, it's in spite of. And the first time I saw that, it was just like this really emotional moment. So mm. it can be things like that. I find So that's that's meditating on scripture. Yeah, and just slowing down to do that. And even, you know, I found the the chosen series really helpful. Mm-hmm. Just getting kind of a, um, the personal um, pastoral nature of Jesus and the way he engages with people, um, reading through the gospels. Um, so it's finding different ways to actually to 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 kind of think about mm. who Jesus is and what he did and and that it can't just be like I do it this way all the time. It's mm. actually slowing down, and so um, it might be 
you know, like we did in the sermon, uh, thinking about friendship that you, know, you see in the Bride of Frankenstein, that sense mm. of Jesus is like that to us. We were, we were lost and he welcomed us as a friend. Mm. Um, or it can be, um, you know, particular hymns, but it's finding ways just to force yourself to, to really ponder mm. that Jesus, full of grace and truth, came and he willingly, joyfully sacrificed his life yeah, for us. Yeah. Um, and so find different ways to do that. And, and you know, the New Testament's full of it. Um, yeah. yeah. One way I uh, practice or, or have recently taken to, to practicing uh, is I try and put the brakes on before my Bible study, you know, because part of me wants to go, okay, this is my 15 minutes yep, or my 20 done. minutes. I've yep. got a chance. <laughs> Take a deep breath and dive in. Mm. Uh, and instead what I try and do is stop and think of one thing I can thank God for that the resurrection brings mm, or, or that mm, the mm, death, Christ's death and resurrection brings. What is one thing that comes from that? You know, and it, it forces me to pause for a moment, yeah. but it also puts me back on, on yeah. Jesus and yeah. um, what he has done yeah. um, or to be lost in his character. I've heard people put it. Mm. Um, and, I, and I've got to say I'm a, an immensely practically minded guy, so – I find it difficult if, if people are listening find it difficult. I think it's because we're trying to wrestle out of this world and into the next. It's, yeah. It can be very hard yeah. to shift your mind. Yeah, and, and remembering that um, being a Christian is not a formula um, or a, you know, a lifestyle. It's a relationship. Mm. Uh, and so you've got to allow relationships to have time and you've got to allow time to, to come before God and to engage with him. And so whatever helps you slow down and reflect and draw that to mind so that when you, you're reading his word, you're actually not just skipping through and going, I've done it or your, your mm. head's elsewhere, but actually really um, asking that, you know, I'm really going to engage in this. Like, mm. you know, it's terrible. Like in any relationship, if you're, you're not, someone's telling you something and you're yeah. wandering and watching TV and, you know, like yeah. it's, look at me, I'm talking to you, you know, that kind of be present with yeah. me here. And it's that sense of we need to be present with God because he's, he's there ready to meet with us in his word yeah. and to, to encourage us and do work on us. So be, be focused, be present. Which actually asks you to flex spiritual muscle because you, yeah. you've got to resist the tyranny of time. Yeah, you've, you've, got got to got to to... you've got to train. And that's a real, really helpful point, Mark, because sometimes we go, oh, okay, I'm going to do that. And, and then it doesn't magically happen straight away and we mm. go, oh, it doesn't work. You've actually, if it's not a natural spiritual muscle, it's going to take time. You've got to be disciplined and persevere mm. in that and work on it. Um, without it being a work. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's take our focus towards the series as a whole. We've mm. come to the end of the You Are Not Your Own series. Uh, and interestingly, that phrase, You Are Not Your Own, started five weeks ago as something of a threatening phrase. Mm. you know. But now we're at the other end of it and it's actually something quite beautiful. Do you yeah. feel that way? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I mean, the full title of Alan Noble's book is You Are Not Your Own, Belonging to God in an Inhuman World. Mm. And he's actually in the book saying, we think we're free, but our world is actually inhuman. It's shaped up in a way that doesn't serve us the way we were made. And actually the the real kind of securing, safeting, nurturing thing is actually go, I belong to Jesus. And, you know, my, my Lord and my Saviour, he's the one who's got the best care for my life and my destiny and so on. So, yeah, I think um, – but it, we've got to realise that's going to grate against our natural cultural wiring. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, just the idea that um, I am not my own – uh, is in itself a threatening thing, you know, mm. uh, or the sense of it is initially yeah, in yeah, this context yeah. that 
I am somehow lost to myself. Yeah. That actually raises another question for me because, and I'll just dip back into today's sermon for a moment, but um, you're talking about this this wonderful illustration of being hidden in Christ and you're talking about the aircraft and anybody yes. who's heard the sermon will know what I'm talking about with that. Um, and I encourage you, if you're actually listening to the podcast and you haven't listened to the sermon, <laughs> go, stop now, go away, listen to the sermon, then come back. But the idea of being hidden in Christ can also feel like being lost in Christ. Yeah, yeah. Now, how do you marry those two together? You're somehow subsumed in Christ, um, but you're not actually lost as an individual. No, so it's not like kind of Eastern sort of spirituality where the goal is to disappear into the, the cosmos or the, to kind of you know lose yourself and just kind of be lost in you know, your sense of identity and struggle and so on. Um, the belonging to Jesus is actually to make us more like him. So, you know, um, that's God's goal is to to make sons, those mm. who are. Um, so that, that whole verse in verse 9 and 10, again, being renewed in the image of its creator. God is the work God is doing is not to make Mark disappear, mm. but to make Mark the man that you're intended to be as a creator, creating the image of God um, so that you're like more and more like Jesus. Mm. And so it's not, it's not Mark disappearing, but it's Mark um, perfected in Christ is the goal. Um, free of our, you know, the, the end game um, when we're in glory is free of all our fragilities and insecurities and sins and false desires and that we have good godly desires that we, we love and rejoice in good things. That's um, so why Paul says in Philippians, you know, whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is, you know, he says think about those things. That's the direction. And it's not that you ceased to think, but it's actually think about the right things, the good things, have good desires. Mm. Um, so it's not a loss of our of ourselves, but it's us remade and renewed. Mm. Yeah. I just want to pull the curtain back a bit on how the church works. You know, imagine the ministry team. I like to think of you around a round table somewhere. You know, <laughs> Pete's probably got a crown on and, you know, you've all got your swords pointed out and that sort of stuff and you're working Camelot, out. Camelot, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like sort of a Camelot. You don't have to sing, though. If anybody remembers that 1960s <laughs> musical, they should forget it. But there you are. You're coming up with this series, okay, was it one that you felt passionate about or did someone drop it on you and no, then you had to learn it? It's really interesting, actually. Um, one of our members uh, had been at a conference and uh, there's a, a bookstore, The Wandering Bookseller, hmm. uh, was there. and he and uh, was, Rice? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, shout out to, to him. Great resource for Christian ministry. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and this member was sort of like, oh, I'm trying to look for something that will help our people kind of think about culture well. And this book was recommended by mm. Alan Noble. And so he gave it as a gift to me and Pete and Tim and so on. And so I read it. And the first chapter, I was like, wow, mm. this analysis of our world. The, you know, that the, the sense we always talk about, we're a very individualistic culture. What, what Alan Noble does is he really kind of applies that into this day and age and what that looks like and how destructive and unrewarding it is. Um, and so I thought, actually, this is really helpful for us to kind of pull, pull apart the, the network, a bit like that sort of matrix moment where we kind of wake up and realize what is going on. Mm. <laughs> why are we living like this? Why do we, why do I feel the way I do? And why do I struggle with this? And actually kind of help us it, it kind of expose and um, exegete what's going on around us. Mm. And so that was the desire to, to help us do that and then have a, um, and then have a renewed kind of recognition of how important it is, how wonderful it is to belong to Jesus. Mm. Um, so that was the goal. It's a bit different from a normal series where we just kind of work through a book of the Bible. We do a, a lot of that. This was meant to be more of a cultural analysis to help open our eyes and, and give us tools and, and right ways of thinking and feeling. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't think you can actually preach properly 
without being personally affected by what mm. you're actually preaching on. Mm. You've come through the series and you've been very close to it. Four out of the five sermons you've preached? Uh, three out of the five. Three out of the five. Uh, there yeah. you go. Your presence was so solid. <laughs> I just thought you'd done a lot. Um, what are you taking away from You Are Not Your Own? Uh, I, I mean, I think the the clarity with of seeing what's going on in our culture, that sense of I am my own and I belong to myself, how um, unrewarding that is, um, and then just a renewed recognition that actually belonging to Jesus and finding my identity and security in him is so much better. Um, like many, I found um, Sam's talk really helpful last week, that sense of we you know, see often see life as a project that we've got to work on and, and achieve stuff and actually we recognising that it's a gift to be enjoyed is, is such a, a much better way of doing it. So I, I found that. And that's something I've, I've always struggled with over the years is just a real thankfulness, um, you know, being in the moment, being thankful for the day um, mm. because you're always thinking about what's coming up and what do I need to do. Like you have that moment where, you, you know, for some reason you wake up at 4.30 in the morning and you can't go back to sleep because you're like, okay, today I've got to do this and this and then I've got that meeting and this thing needs to be done and that's coming up and your brain's just racing. Um, and so seeing those as burdens and as I shared a couple of weeks ago that, you know, even writing a sermon, you go, it's really easy to slip into, I've just got to get this done because it's got to be done for Sunday mm. and it needs to be good. Otherwise people, you know, won't be encouraged and, you know, um, and, and actually then going, Lord, will you actually help me not to think about it as a task I need to get done but actually enjoy you and delight in you and be mm. fed myself as I'm preparing um, so that I'm growing and I'm actually having like you're you're the one who's sustaining and resourcing not this kind of task that I need to do um, so yeah it's just I mean it's always sometimes you preach the stuff that is as much for you as you know as yeah. it is for anyone else yeah yeah well that's very much what you've taken from it um, let's finish off uh, our chat today with what's the thing that you would like us to take away? You've, you've had weeks to say it. <laughs> what is it that you really hope it boils oh, down wow. to? Um, I, I think if we could learn how to slow down and meditate and enjoy God's grace to us and ask him to really do a work on us through that. Mm. Yeah, I think um, it's kind of funny. Sometimes I think of the word grace and, and things get a little lost for me mm. because uh, it's a, a very particular word. It's a spiritual word. It's a, a Bible word. But you struck me today when you said, you know, if we could only just walk away and realise how loved we are, mm. um, that would make all the difference. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just don't think – I think we don't grasp just how much God loves us. And we, mm. we kind of intellectually know it because we go, oh, Jesus died. But when you think about the Son of God, God the Son who'd been with the Father from all eternity and the plan, the project – of God was that he would come and take on flesh and humble himself and be weak and lowly and able to be killed and do that willingly to to bring to like reach through eternity across time and space to bring sinners who had thumbed our noses and reject God and bring us back to him and he could do that for billions of people across the ages. So and not not just as a as an exercise in a demonstration of his own grace. You know, <laughs> no, but just, to yeah. actually rescue us. Like, yeah. I think the more we kind of and that that's personal. It's not just this overarching banner that you kind of sign up to, but it, it's he like I've heard it said, you know, when Jesus dies on the cross, he he was thinking of Mark and he was mm. thinking of James. Like because we were chosen before the creation of the world. Like it just taking the time to you, you just kind of you do get a little bit kind of wading deep into this this beautiful pond of grace and just kind of go, wow. And mm. so I think the more that that impacts us and shapes us and we get 
it, it, it's, it's a balm for our insecurities and fears and struggles and rage in life mm. because it was so loved and we just never quite grasped that. And the more we'll under, understand our identity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, that's taken us to the end of uh, the time we have today. And frankly, if that wasn't enough for you, just go talk to James and spend some <laughs> more time with him. Um, or actually you can get onto the Facebook group because we have great chats over there and people ask questions and the, the team is great in, in sort of in interacting with those. Uh, but we should say that there's going to be a bit of a break uh, in the podcast series for a while as we go into the summer series. So we usually have some great questions and things like that to talk about, but you'll have to do them firsthand and chat on the decking with everybody else yep. You know, as we get those sorts of things. And then, of course, we'll be back with the new series. Do you know what the new series yeah, is? Yeah, so the beginning of uh, Term 3, we're going to be continuing where we left off in Acts, so picking up at sort of Chapter 9. Um, and following Acts to the end. So, yeah, that's fun. Looking forward to that. Excellent. Looking forward to it too. Thank you for listening. If you found this resource helpful, we encourage you to connect with us at norwest.org.